Mayfly. Written and narrated by Ray Fletcher. Chapter 5 Sounds of breakfast and conversation woke her up. Food smells permeated the stuffiness of her room. Her stomach pinched painfully, and she could barely scramble into shorts fast enough. It was still fast, though, so much so that her mom turned around with a spatula in hand, expression of surprise frozen on her face. That was quick. Where's the fire? Sorry, it just smells really good. John shifted his chair over, and she slid into the place where the mail usually was. He even poured her coffee with an understanding look. She took a deep breath, the smell of it settling around her like a comfortable blanket, then dumped sugar into it. It was early, and it felt like she'd barely slept at all, but she didn't really feel tired, just ravenous. She polished off her plate and went to see if there was more bread for toast. Feeding a tapeworm? Her mom laughed. I'm going shopping with Charlene later. It'll take all my energy. Oh, she wants to get clothes for when she goes to university. It's going to be a lot of admiring how good she looks. Her mom looked guiltily relieved. I wasn't sure if you needed anything. I'm good. And she was a little surprised to realize that she was. She's going to McGill, I guess. It's going to be weird, her so far away. Maybe you can visit. She'll come back at Christmas and stuff. That's true. It was cautious. Her mom hadn't mentioned school since she'd gotten the results from her scholarship applications. Marianne hadn't wanted to talk about it either. What was the point? The money wasn't going to magically appear. There was nothing her mom could do. She squeezed the handle of the butter knife, looking into the warm orange glow of the toaster. Helpless anger. That's what it was. Impotent rage. She'd read that one in a book, probably for an AP class that didn't mean anything now. Marianne, she's going to pick me up. It's so nice out. I wish the car was a convertible. Not the real reason that she could shrug it off. A glimpse of pine trees reminded her of Ewan. The thought of leaving and never having to go to her shitty job again, or care about university, or wonder where gas money was coming from, made her feel like she could float, even without being a light. They drove with the windows down. Marianne closed her eyes, feeling her hair whip across her face. Not even Charlene's restless changing of songs on the CD player could affect her mood. She doubted they had cars anywhere in Ewan's little world. Maybe that was what he meant when he talked about poison. All the gas and oil and manufacturing. That was probably poison. There was nothing like that in his world. She bet she could run forever there. Ewan. She thought about how her heart had started racing. That feeling had seemed pretty real. It would be perfect, he said. She stuck her hand out of the window to catch the wind and smiled. There were only a couple of stores that Charlene liked at the mall, but they plowed through them, laughing at the weirdest things while she looked for clothes that would suit her. She wasn't fat exactly, just really round, and it was hard finding anything flattering. Ah, everything is made for little stick people. Charlene did a quick size check with a t-shirt across her chest. How is this a large? It's Barbie large. It would fit you, I bet. And it's cute, too. Charlene eyed her. You should try it on. It's not really my style. They might have something like it at another store. I hate going to the plus-size store. I really need to go on a diet. Charlene put the t-shirt back. I bet this is all out of fashion compared to Montreal. 
or Toronto, since it's so close, you know. My aunt lives there, and Mom and Dad said I could visit on long weekends and stuff. It'll be amazing. It would be better if you were going, too. My French sucks, Marianne snorted. Miss Phillips said I sounded like I was gargling mashed potatoes. Well, if yours does, then I'm in so much trouble. I never would have passed without you helping me. You helped me with all of the sewing stuff. Fair trade, Charlene grinned. They wandered down the mall, Muzak warring with crashing sounds from carts and screaming children. Poison? Maybe so. The air conditioner couldn't be good for the environment, but it was nice in the warm weather, and winter without heat was impossible. Was there ever winter there? We'll keep in touch. Email and stuff. Charlene looked surprised. Sure, all the time. Anyway, this is still home. I like sleigh rides. Remember how drunk we got last year? Oh my god, I thought I was going to die in the woods. I have to come back in the winter. And you have to choose something to do. Now is our chance. College or something. Something with computers. Everything is computers these days. You sound like a school counselor. Charlene laughed, taking her arm and towing her into a lingerie shop. Charlene hunted through a rack, then sighed. I wish the bras fit. The underwear does, and it feels nice. I really want to have a boyfriend to show off to Mom and Dad when I come back at Christmas. I think they're beginning to think I'm a dyke. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Charlene laughed. Of course not. Ah, I think that's the wrong word these days, too, isn't it? I should probably be careful since I'm going to a sophisticated city. There'll be lots to learn. Marianne looked down at the pale tile floor. It would be amazing going away to McGill. Going away anywhere. Either way, you're super cute. I bet you're going to be crazy popular. Not either way. One way only. Not a three-way? Charlene turned red and laughed. I guess cities... There's lots of different things to experience. Chances to try things. You'll find someone great. Better than anyone around here. Marianne examined a lacy nightgown. Are you in Bobby on the Rocks or something? I don't know. It's like... I don't know. Lots of high school couples break up. My brother did, after a couple of months at university. Something like that. She wondered if it really was forever going to Ewan's world. Should she say goodbye to Bobby? It was a pain in the ass even thinking about it. They finished up at the mall, and Charlene drove her home. She said goodbye with enough feeling that Charlene laughed and teased her a little. I'm not leaving yet. That night she lay awake late, thinking of packing a bag. Stuff that her mom wouldn't know to miss. Nothing electronic, because that didn't seem to work in that other place. Clothes? Winter clothes? She should have asked, but she hadn't been sure. Was she sure? She rolled onto her back, staring at the ceiling. She couldn't say that. Not really. Not really sure. But it was a chance to do something different. Something unique, even. And everyone was nervous about making big changes. Charlene was going to a great university, and she was nervous. But if she could see even a little of what Ewan had seen. So many people and things. Things that were important enough to be in books. Just imagine. It wasn't like she was walking away from some lucrative future. The world wouldn't miss her. She could stay in that place with the lights, with you, and she could see amazing things. The night deepened. 
She felt as though her limbs were becoming heavier. She could hear her heart beating, not just faster, but harder, like it did after a cross-country run. A feeling of unease, like after waking up suddenly from a dream, washed over her. Her mouth went dry. It really is just a dream. Water will wake me up. Her fingers twitched when she commanded her body to move. She tried to turn her head, but only her eyes would move. She couldn't see the door. The half-closed blinds cast long, glowing bars on the wall. I sort of remembered, Mom. She sucked in a breath, blinking rapidly. It looked like a shape, like a person standing outside. It was so still that she wasn't sure. Sleep paralysis. It's just my brain playing tricks. She couldn't tell, not until it moved, gliding with eerie smoothness out of sight. Hot tears broke from the corners of her eyes. The shape came back into view, moving closer. It can't come in. You can't come in. You can't. Panic gurgled in the back of her throat. She felt her diaphragm tightening like a fist as she tried to free the scream locked behind her teeth. Dry, scraping sounds came from the wall outside, moving up the siding toward the window. She blinked rapidly, wishing she could keep her eyes closed. A head appeared, its face featureless and black. She saw long hair. Her body lurched, a terrible, truncated scream finally burst from her. Marianne? Honey? She heard her mom's footsteps, and yellow light from the hall flooded over her. Honey, what's wrong? The tension released all at once. She sat up, gasping for air. Her mom perched on the side of the bed and rubbed Marianne's back. John's silhouette filled the doorway. There was something outside. I saw something outside. Someone. John. On it. He vanished down the hall. Take something. Make noise. A broom or something. It might be a bear. It wasn't a bear. She knew it wasn't. She stayed where she was, listening to the door shut, and then footsteps, proper ones, outside. The beam of a flashlight danced over the ceiling and walls. I'm really glad it's not us going out to check. Marianne nodded and rubbed her eyes. Her mom brushed her hair back. Pretty scary, huh? Yeah. It was... It was really bad. John came back. Nothing there now. Just a dream, then. John looked doubtful. Her mom saw it, too. What? There were marks on the siding, under the window. I don't know. Were they there before? What kind of marks? Like scratches. God damn it. No, it was fine before. I bet it was cats. This is supposed to be a pet-free trailer park, but I know that old biddy in number 12 has them. Yeah, that might be it, too. Her mom seemed satisfied. I'll get you some water and some aspirin. You can keep your light on and read if you want. She closed the blinds before she left. John leaned against the doorframe. He wasn't glaring and didn't seem grumpy about having to go outside for cats or a dream. He looked down the hallway carefully, then leaned forward. Do you think it was a cat? No, not, not really. She was happy that the blinds were closed. Yeah, the scratches didn't look like a cat could make them either. Damned if I know what did. Maybe for now let's not worry your mom with it. Until we have a better idea. Yeah, that's okay. I don't really want to talk about it anyway. 
Her mom brought her water and aspirin and said it was okay if Marianne listened to the radio a bit. She waited until she saw Marianne take the pills, then they went back to bed. It must make moms feel better to do something, no matter how ineffective. She kept her reading lamp on and pulled her radio close. At night, sometimes, if she tuned it just right, she could get the faraway stations, even stations on the coast, dim and tinny, playing music the local stations didn't, talking about businesses and streets that she didn't know. She was lucky tonight. The DJ gave the time and weather. It was overcast, down south, and the song that he played to accompany the rain was wistful. The worst was over for that singer, and time had sapped the pain away. But he'd really loved, and he reached over the mountains to tell her about it. The next morning she waited until they were gone and the sun was high and bright before she went to look. If there were tracks at all, they would have been left in dew and it had burned off. She could see what John meant, though. The scratches weren't deep enough to be a bear. She traced them with her fingers. They were in sets of five, thin and sharp, but far wider than any cat could leave. She went back inside and pulled out her pack. Clothes, she thought. She didn't have much besides t-shirts and a couple of pairs of jeans. Toiletries. Toilet paper? She stood in the bathroom, hands shaking. What was she doing? Something different. Something special. She pulled a picture of her mom and dad out of a box. Her mom wouldn't notice as fast as if she took the one in the frame. Food? She made peanut butter sandwiches out of the remaining bread. It would be okay. Ewan hadn't said she couldn't come back at all. The phone rang, shattering the quiet of the trailer. It was her mom, saying that she'd be out late with John. She felt a little surge of disappointment. There's leftover spaghetti sauce. You can cook some up. Sure. Marianne, she stopped, and when she spoke again, the exasperation was gone. Is it that thing last night? Honey, it's just those cats from Twelve. Yeah, sorry. Guess it spooked me more than I thought. Have fun. I mean it. We won't be too late. We can watch a movie again or something. That sounds really good. I love you. Her mom would be suspicious if she said it. She watched the sun go down from a lawn chair on the porch. Maybe the last time ever. She shifted, the aluminum frame creaking. The smell of the pulp mill followed after the evening chill. It was barely even a proper sunset. On TV, sunsets were on beaches, or out on a farm or something. Here the sun just fell behind the trees, and that was it. There was plenty of day left, just the cold, dim end. I won't miss it. Even if I do, it doesn't have to be forever. There's got to be better than this. After dark, she grabbed her bag and shoved it in her jacket, too, just in case. Her mom wasn't home yet. She could make noise, but it didn't seem right somehow. She closed the screen door silently. The light was waiting, floating between the trees. When it saw her, it started to look like a person, so it must have been the curious one. She started to turn, to look back. She'd read that if you looked back, it would be easier to go back, like destiny or something. Then one noodle-like arm lifted in what was meant to be a wave, and she hurried forward. The way was easy. 
She found herself running, even though she was wearing her docks. Her pack slapped her back. Why did I bring it? Why did I bring anything? It's magic. Who needs regular things in a magic world? She burst through the trees to the cottonwood and saw Ewan waiting. This time she didn't hesitate. When Ewan opened his arms to her, she hugged him back, feeling his laugh. I'm so glad you came. Well, I couldn't really think of any reason why not. He smiled down at her, hands cupping her face. Sweet Marianne, everything will be splendid now that you're here. She looked away. They hadn't said, but that's what guys wanted. Men, even real men, everyone said so. She kissed him, and he did kiss back, but he stopped, too. Thank you. I haven't been given such a precious gift in so long. It's just a kiss. She felt herself turn red. She wasn't his type then, or something. He wasn't into her, and she wasn't really into him either, right? She just wanted to make him happy. She looked down, trying to figure out the right thing to do. A gift, he repeated, that I'm privileged to receive. But you don't have to pay your way with your affections. It isn't your body that I desire. Oh, I didn't think it was like that. Your company is enough, and your light. She left her bag by the tree. They walked through the fields, green again, while the lights danced and played. Will it always be like this? As long as you're with us. And one day, everyone will know it as you do. What? What do you mean? Imagine the whole of the world like this. Peaceful. Always full of music. No. She spoke without thinking. No. His smile sharpened. No. I mean, it's special here. The world is just the world. People have lots of food and clothes and stuff. Abundance. They don't need this to... Harmony and peace? This is the best world. A perfect world. My world. He didn't seem angry, exactly. His voice was still smooth, but not like water. It was smooth like metal. It was like a knife. I'm sorry. I'm close. So close. To what? Returning my people to the world. People? All that was. Magic and wonder. She remembered the shadow flying above the cottonwood fluff. I don't know if everyone... People like electronics, cars, things like that. They'll come to appreciate my kingdom, just as you did. Kingdom? He took her hand and pulled her to a stop. She stumbled. God, why was she never cool? They'd come to the edge of the cottonwood clearing. Kind of. The geography of the place wasn't always reliable. The hills wavered, and shadows moved behind them. The green landscape melted. At her feet spread a forest of dead and dying trees. The details were obscured by an unwholesome mist. Things moved on the damp earth, making wet, slapping sounds. Thick wind lifted her hair. Some alien, serpentine shape flickered through the clouds, stirring the smell of rot. This wasn't here before. What is it? He stepped up behind her. For a minute she thought he was going to push her in, and her skin prickled. Long fingers folded over her shoulders. You're safe, Marianne, 
safe here with me. You're going to help me fill the world with light. My people will be free, will become strong again. This place? We've survived. How? Her voice shook. I need nine of you. Nine bright lights. Nine points to form a great gateway to the world. His breath whispered against her cheek. Nine to return to the world that should be ours. One of the slapping wet things was coming closer. The light that had played with her, mimicking her movements, crouched down at the edge of the mud. Whatever it was crawled towards it, pale limbs like a grub and scraggly hair, blonde hair, long, sharp fingers. What's that? What is it? She tried to back away. His fingers bit into her shoulders, as sharp now as those of the thing coming toward her. You've left the world, but we can't leave that little U-shaped hole. It crawled to its feet. The bulk of it hung from its hunched shoulders like a coat on a hanger. It was meant to be her, but it wasn't at the same time. It was naked and underfed, skin pulled taut over bone. Below its matted hair, its mouth opened. Wordless moaning emerged. It's not me. It's not me. It will be. It came closer. Marianne struggled in his grip. Ewan didn't look strong, but she might as well have been fighting against stone. The thing grew plumper as it approached. Black eyes regarded her, and its bluish, milky skin changed shades. It held up its hand. Bone shifted beneath the skin, joints popping into place to look like her hand. She screamed and tried to break free. Her boots tore holes in the grass, filling the air with a deep, sweet smell of growth that for a moment washed away the stench of the thing. That thing was mold. It was the pale, white larva and colorless spiders and crawling things from dark places. It was not right. It was... Let me go! You came, Marianne. You came to my kingdom to stay. I don't want to! The thing leaned close. In its eyes, she saw her own panicked reflection before the black drained out of them, replaced by the shade she saw in the mirror every day. You'll stay, he said. You'll give me your light. She looked at the lights dancing joyfully around them. They're people? You're sisters now. Together we'll wait for the ninth and reopen the world. No, you can't. This is... This was supposed to be... Yours? Humiliation crawled up her spine. Yeah. Yeah, it was. He kissed her cheek. She shuddered. You're still special, Marianne. Not everyone can see the true door between your world and this place, much less open it. But you did. The other thing stood up straighter now. Its face looked more finished. She saw the small scar appear just under her left ear from when she'd fallen off her bike. It was her and not her, not quite what the mirror showed just yet. I don't want to stay. After all the effort we took making someone to take your place, after studying you, the light touched the not her, then swept through it and fluttered away. The not her pushed a bunch of blonde hair behind its ear the same way she did. It became sharper. She saw when life filled its eyes. 
You're so precious, Marianne. You're so important. Let me go. You, you fucker, let me go. His fingers dug into her shoulders hard enough to make her scream, and she felt blood begin to flow. I didn't say I'd help you hurt people. I didn't. You didn't say I'd turn into one of those. I offered you what you wanted. Peace. Joy. Something different from anything you'd ever known. Forever. She screamed. The not-her opened its mouth. A warbling cry broke free, traveling up and down a scale of notes until it matched her exactly. Marianne sobbed, staring at it. Oh, God. Please. Please. The not-her smiled. Please. It repeated, something watery in its voice. She closed her eyes and looked away. Oh, God, please, someone. Someone help me. Please, oh, fuck, help me. She heard a tearing sound. Her ears popped and rang. Ewan turned. Abruptly, his grip on her was gone. She scrambled away from the muddy gulf and the not-her and him and the lights. She crawled through the grass towards the tree and her bag with the half-formed idea that she could run away. You! The rage in Ewan's voice was enough to make her cower. He was looking past her. Marianne twisted around. A hole hovered a few feet above the ground. The lady from the gas station stood in the tall grass in front of it. She looked, for a moment, as surprised as Marianne felt. Then her eyes focused on Ewan, and they narrowed. It's been a minute, you son of a bitch. How are you here? I banished you! The woman smiled. Someone opened the way. She threw a black ball at Ewan, and he howled. Here endeth the chapter. Mayfly is an urban paranormal fantasy narrative project with a new chapter uploaded every two weeks until the novel is done or my vocal cords fall off. Subscribe to Patreon for early access and occasional exclusive content. For social media, blog posts, and links to other work, please visit www.houseofie.com. That's House of V-A-Y-I. Com. For past chapters, a one-time donation to coffee is greatly appreciated. Music is White Horse on the Beach by Nature's Eye. It and other royalty-free media is available at pixabay.com. Thank you for listening. An audience is the greatest gift an artist can have. <laughs>